0: This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke, presented by Bett Rivers. Not the best day to be a Chicago sports fan, to say the least, folks. The Bulls lose a... <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Do you call it a tough one? Did you look at that game as a predictable loss? Are you surprised? No, you're not surprised. Let's be honest. The Bulls cannot win the games they need to. And it wasn't only the Bulls that were insanely disappointing. It was the Blackhawks. If you're still watching the Blackhawks this season, my goodness, it was one for the ages last night. They lost 6-5 to five at home versus the Buffalo Sabres. I told you, please don't lay that high price with the Blackhawks. Yeah, I thought they'd probably win, but of course there was no chance in hell I was touching it because why are you betting on two bad teams in hockey at this point in the season? This is why you don't do it. The Blackhawks were up 3-0 post-first period. Then you take it to the third period. The Sabres outscored them 3-1. They tied it with two and a half minutes left and scored with 12 seconds left to win the game. Utterly disappointing, disgusting, pathetic, everything. But you know what? I'm not here to waste my energy complaining about the Blackhawks. We've known the Blackhawks were this team for quite some time. It's just kind of the cherry on top that, after what the Bulls did, you saw the Blackhawks do something even worse. But, hey, again, the Blackhawks don't have aspirations for the postseason this year. The Bulls do. The Blackhawks don't have as much talent, respectively, and relatively compared to their team as the Bulls do in their league with their squad. I'm not shocked the Bulls lost. Yeah, I said, hey, could be a good live betting spot. And you know what? You probably could have taken a decent amount of points with the Bulls when they were down double digits. Maybe, maybe not. I didn't end up taking any part of it because they just looked so sloppy. And I said, the stipulation for me wanting to live bet the Bulls, I said, there was going to be a chance, and that would be the best way to go about it. And they almost came through. But what I said is, you need to see the role players and their bench players producing, scoring, contributing then I can see that there's a green light to go, okay, go, you can trust his Bulls team fully. There was never that situation. Patrick Williams off the bench, no points. Javante Green off the bench, three points. Tristan Thompson, two points. And how about our boy, Aldi Brand, Kobe White, six damn points. Get this guy the hell out of here at this point. I mean, I'm rooting for Kobe White, or at least I was, so much so. I mean, this guy was a stud in college. He's been fun to watch in Spurs, but he just provides absolutely no damn value whatsoever. I told you it was going to happen. Set his points prop the insulting way was eight and a half. Realistically, could have been in the double digits, but nope, my insulting set of eight and a half was correct and even too much because he got six. All you have to do is score out there, Kobe White. That is all you are asked to do. No matter what it is, if they got a pretty much fully healthy roster, getting rid of Lonzo Ball, not counting him in this equation, he can't perform. It is uncanny. It is actually impressively consistent. Now, if DeRozan was out, he would go off. Like he did against the Pelicans. But if you have DeRozan Vooch, Caruso, Levine, Williams, is there, like he just, there's a switch. He's a robot. I, it's it's programmed into him. Two a nine from the floor in twenty-one minutes. Oh a five from deep. Two of your points came from the free throw line. No assists. You're supposed to be facilitating. And if you're not facilitating, you're supposed to be scoring unbelievable and there were people out there clamoring No, you can't trade Kobe White he's scoring a lot come on we need him we need-. yeah how you feeling about that now how are you feeling about Kobe White now can hit the shots when it's needed can hit the shots at any damn point I'm sick and tired of seeing it because that's all you are asked to do. There is literally no excuse for Kobe White's inability to score consistently. That's the one thing he needs to do off the bench. and he Io DeSumo is outscoring him with 10 points, and he's getting played 15 minutes more a game because he can at least provide some value from time to time, unlike Kobe White. And you know what blows about this Kobe White situation? His stock is going down now too. You had it at a high peak. Around the trade deadline, but you didn't do anything about it. And at the time, I mean, it's easy to say it in hindsight. At the time, it was like, yeah, well, you're going to need a score like Kobe White. Well, yeah, you're going to need a score and a big man to help alongside Vooch. Who didn't do enough with just 16 and 13. I know there's a funny meme going around like, oh, the Bulls lost again. And then Vooch is like, well, I got a double-double. Same thing, 16 and 13. Which are fine stats. If you win, it doesn't mean squat when you lose on the road again against the Knicks, a team that was on the second leg of a back-to-back and virtually out of the postseason. Is there any hope for this team? Like, do you actually, as a fan, do you believe this team has any chance to get far into the postseason? Folks, you're not going to get out of the first round. Folks, they're going to be lucky to get past the damn playing game at this point. Are you kidding me? They're now four and a half games back, tied with the Raptors, and the Cavs are five and a half behind them. At least they have the tiebreaker among those two teams. But oh my goodness, is this disgusting. And I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat it like with the expectations talk saying, well, you got to look at it in the perspective of we didn't have anything last year as fans and... Now they got on a hot streak and we set our hopes too high. I don't give a crap. It doesn't matter. You set the bar high. You have enough talent. Why is this not coming to fruition? Why is this team not producing? Does that fall in the front office? Maybe a little bit for not giving them enough depth in the big man role. Tristan Thompson ain't going to cut it. You knew this, we knew this, it was fun for a second, but let's be honest, he's not a guy that's going to be a difference maker against good teams. Yeah, he can rally the troops against the freaking Detroit Pistons, cool, what is that going to do in the postseason against the Heat, against the Celtics, against the Bucs? Nothing. And the team they constructed heading into this season was great and us Bulls fans rightfully so to a certain extent until now had high expectations right? But you needed to do something at the deadline. I get it. You were dealing with injuries. He said, nah, we'll be all right. We haven't even seen our full team play together. You're not going to. Lonzo Ball ain't improving right now, it seems. You have everybody else. Nothing is happening. You can't mount to the pressure. It's getting too much for you. And again, the front office can do so much to that point. So I'm not really even blaming AK and company. Yes, you would have liked to see them get a move done at the deadline. Didn't happen. They still have enough pieces to be a top team. Then who does it come down to? Billy Donovan and his lack of adjustments again? Yes. You see those adjustments being put in place for, I don't know, maybe a couple minutes, several possessions. But then it just goes back to iso ball. All right, DeRozan, end of the game, just... Take four dribbles and pull up mid range. Not that it doesn't work, but <laughs> that's all that's their game plan. All right, if it's not and Levine, go make something happen, drive to the hoop, or do a fadeaway shot. Yeah, it'll work from time to time. But that's not an offense. That's backyard basketball. And that's why a team like the Bucks, who have shooters all throughout and an actual offensive scheme built around Giannis, can kill you. That's why the Sixers with their pick-and-roll game, and shooters all around the perimeter can kill you. That's why the Heat, a very well-coached team, can kill you. You don't have that with Chicago, guys. You have Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan playing iso ball, and if we're just so lucky, Javante Green or Io Desumu will hit a three-point shot. Hey, maybe even Alex Caruso. Oh, and if there's someone injured, yeah, Kobe White will act like he's a professional basketball player, too. Fuchs will get his double double, won't be enough. And then that'll be it. That's bulls basketball right now. You should be ashamed. You should hold them accountable. Rightfully so. And I'm quite frankly, I've had enough. And it's and it's I don't know, it's kind of a beggars, can't be choosers type of thing because again, yes. We haven't had a good Bulls team in quite some time, but we do. And it's so frustrating because we know how good they can be. And you lose these terrible, terrible games. I mean, come on. Sylvie of Waddle and Sylvie at ESPN 1000 tweeted about it. And I couldn't agree more. He goes, if, when, in parentheses, the Bulls don't end up in the play-in, we'll never forget the losses to Atlanta. You blew the lead. Sacramento, you could have had it, but you were down by 20-plus. New Orleans, crap team with injured players, and now the Knicks. In a season when they can't beat the great teams, their failures against the bad teams is what is going to crush them. That's what he said. I obviously added in the little blurbs there, but you get my point, you get Sylvie's point, and he is absolutely right. It's pathetic. Good teams don't lose games like that. You don't. You take advantage of the opportunities. I And it's like, how can you make excuses for that? You can't say youth. You can't say inexperience. It's basketball, guys. It shouldn't be that big of a... You're just playing the game. You grew up playing. Grew up loving. You've developed into a professional and great ones. There's no excuse for losing to the Knicks. There's no excuse for losing to the Kings. That one is going to sting me for quite some time. They might end up in this playing game. They got a tough game tonight at Washington. Yes, a tough game. Is it actually a tough game? No, but it's the Bulls, so it's a tough game. Every stupid game remaining here is tough for this team that can't put it together because they don't know what the hell they're doing, and that starts with Billy Donovan. It does. At what point is this Chicago media going to be holding Billy Donovan accountable? And I'm not saying there's anybody out there better than Billy Donovan. I'm not saying he isn't a great coach. But the lack of adjustments are evident. It's iso ball. There's nothing happening to close out around the perimeter defensively. He's clearly not trusting Patrick Williams. And there's literally no bench or roll production that is coming through. We talk about Lonzo Ball. Yes, he would make a huge difference. But would it be that much? After all this time he's missed coming off an injury, are we really going to rely on Lonzo Ball? I mean, we want to, we need to. He's a huge piece, don't get me wrong, but he's not just going to magically flip a switch in this Bulls team being the top to the Eastern Conference. That's not how it works. So I don't know, guys. I mean, it's <laughs> if you're still getting your hopes up for games, you're doing it wrong, or you just don't know what's going on. You've set your expectations too high, and you haven't turned the dial back. I turned it back. I think the Kings was the final game that did it, but it was slowly working up to it. After Sacramento, that's when it finally came down. My head out of the clouds of this Bulls team having chances. Saying, ah, they'll get through it. Postseason's when they'll turn it up. No, it's not going to change. It's only going to get worse, guys. And again, like we said, now you get a tough spot against Washington. It's not tough, but it is. Washington missing Kuzma, who's torched you twice. The Bulls have beaten the Wizards twice, but Kuzma had great games. Bradley Beal, who's out, had great games. So there's no excuse to lose this matchup. But how the hell are you getting your hopes up? How the hell are you even putting money on this Bulls team to win this game? It's demoralizing the way they're losing. Yeah, maybe you would have had a chance to beat the Knicks if you didn't wait till a minute left to make it a one-point game. DeRozan did a fantastic job getting this team back into the game last night. But then when it came to trying to take the lead, like he forced up shots, and that happens. And you can't blame him because he did those things to get you here. But just because that's what got you here doesn't mean it has to still be the same play. You know, DeRozan's tired at that, like, Work something else. Get a damn pick and roll. Get Levine going to the rim, which he did well toward the Like, DeRozan just kind of chucked it up at the end. And then when they're trailing again, this has happened many times, that it happened against the Grizzlies, too. He goes and he gets an offensive foul. It was just really bad all throughout. But, man, I just. And the reason I'm spending more time bitching about this is, one, I don't have the biggest handicap on the Wizards game tonight against the Bulls. And just because of how bad it was of the loss. We hit our props at least. Levine hit 27 points. We had over 23 and a half. Rosen dropped 37. So if you took his good for you. Then we also hit Alec Burks over one and a half threes. He had five of them. He hit it before the half. Had 27 points. <laughs> and OB Toppin had 17 off the bench. That's how you score off the bench. Quickly had eight off the bench. Good contributions. Bulls get none of that. They can't. That'd be too good to be true. You shot better than them. 43%, they shot 42.7. They hit six more threes than you. Once again, that's your Achilles heel defending the three. They hit 12, you hit six. Shot 34% from three, you shot 26%. You hit 91% of your free throws. 30 out of 33. Unbelievable. Fantastic. That's great. And the Knicks went 21 to 35. 60%. You it for the free throw line. How do you lose that game? Well, they had 13 offensive rebounds to the Knicks. You only had six. You out-rebounded them, though, overall. But the offensive ones turned into points. You had 14 turnovers, which turned into 16 Knicks points. You only had seven points off of their six turnovers. And they outscored you on the fast break. And you just couldn't limit the three-point game. I mean... It's just the same old, same old. Same crap that kills this team every single game. People in the Eastern Conference right now are licking their chops right now saying, Man, I want to get that Bulls team, baby. Home court advantage, we're winning the first two. We'll split the two in Chicago and then we'll close it out. Billy Ball game, easy money. That's how I would be if I were the Bucs, if I were the Heat, if I were the Sixers, if I were the Celtics. I would be competing for the seed to get the Bulls. I'd rather get the Bulls than the Raptors. I'd rather get the Cavs and the Bulls, but <laughs> bottom tier is Cavs and Bulls right now. It's not looking good. Maybe they can flip things around tonight. I don't know. If you think so, Godspeed. But <laughs> sorry, I'm being all... Debbie Downer now, but how could you not be? I was so excited to watch all of these Bulls games this season. I mean, especially once they got on their hot streak. And I just, what, what, like last night, even I really wasn't that excited. I watched it, but I knew that it was going to be ugly. They were going to make it gross, and they did. Like, I was happy. Yeah, we hit our two bets. We ended up going 3 0 with our playing hockey with the Blues. So, like I said, nice little plug. Check out Rush Hour for those extra plays. So it was a good night in terms of batting. Don't get me wrong. We had a nice sweep to begin the week. But I just want to see the Bulls win. You got to win those games. How do you not? How do you not? That's why I'm not eager to bet this Bulls-Wizards game. I want to bet the Bulls. They have to win this game. They probably will win this game. But I don't want to end up having money in this game and them also losing, and that's just going to give me even more (laughs) pissed off. I know. I got to take the emotions out of it. That's how we approach it. That's what I always preach. And look, the market is going towards Chicago here. They open three. They're three and a half at Bet Rivers. Some other spots are up to four. Once again, we're seeing a minus 155 on the money line. Wizards plus 128. Totals gone to the under Uh, 224 and a half. It opened at Rivers now at 222 and a half. Now, when I was doing some notes for this game, they didn't have uh, all the player props up for like the Bulls players and they still don't. So we'll go over some of the Wizards in a sec. But let me kind of tee up the rest of this game for you. So the Wizards have won their last two games. They beat Detroit 197 at Detroit. And then they beat Golden State. They're injured, remember, but they beat them at home, one twenty-three to one fifteen. As we know, the Bulls coming off a one hundred nine, one hundred four loss at New York. Bulls now seventeen and twenty-two on the road. The Wizards nineteen and eighteen on their home floor. Now the Bulls beat Washington in Washington on New Year's Day, one twenty to one nineteen, the DeRozan game winner, and they beat Washington at home a few days later, one thirty to one twenty-two. Now, like I said, Kuzma is out, Vernon Carey Jr. is out for the Wizards, and Beal has been out. We know this. But Kuzma and Beal were big contributors to Washington the first two games against the Bulls. Kuzma had 29 and 21, Beal had 27 and 26, respectively. Both are going to be out in this game. No excuses to lose. Daniel Gafford, former Bull, had 19 points and 14 points against his former squad. His prop tonight, I think, was 8.5. Could be interesting, but Kristaps Porzingis being a part of the mix kind of changes things. And Porzingis dropped like 22 when he was on the Mavericks against the Bulls. I believe it was like 22-23. Looking into the stats a little bit more so, Bulls offense keeps getting worse and worse. They're now 11th in points per possession and 7th in effective field goal percentage. Because I think like a month ago they were fifth or sixth in points per possession. Now they're eleventh. They've gotten 104, 94, 109, 98, and 113 in their last five games. This ain't the Bulls' offense we were used to. They were doing better when it was just a Rosen, <laughs> because Kobe White would contribute because people were injured, and for some reason that makes him play better. It's an anomaly. I. It makes no sense. It's not an. He's just an enigma. Is what it is. But hey, maybe the Bulls offense, you know, it's terrible. But maybe this would be the night they can break out because Washington is 25th in defensive points per possession and 13th in defensive effective field goal percentage. And they have scored 120 and 130, respectively, against the Wizards. Now, the Wizards are allowing their opponents also to get 38% of their shot attempts up from mid-range. That is dead last in the NBA, folks. Why is that important? Because you know we always talk about it. A majority of the Bulls' shots as a collective unit come from mid-range. Now, accuracy-wise, meaning the percentage of shots that are actually going in against the Wizards, at the rim, their opponents are making about 67.5%, which is 28th worst, and 36% from three, which is 20th worst in the NBA. So there's positives all around for the Bulls. But there's always positives against these crap teams. Yet they decide to play like a negative in every aspect. <laughs> I, I I, don't know what why. I don't. There's no answer for it. I mean, they could say the same thing every press conference. It ain't going to change a damn thing. Billy Donovan's got to do something. We got to hold him accountable. We got to hold these players accountable. And they're kind of holding themselves accountable with their words, but not with their actions but they can display those actions tonight against a terrible Wizards team and i'm just like i'm just like saying it so like without conviction pretty much because i have said the same thing in similar spots against worse teams and sometimes it's come through i mean for a majority of the season it has but as of late it has not i could say all these good things for the bulls it's not going to matter It's not going to matter unless they actually perform. So it doesn't matter what I say because we've seen them have these advantages. They couldn't take advantage of it. Tonight's a big advantage against a crap Wizards team who are 28th in half-court defense. The Bulls are 7th offensively, but we know their offense stinks. Wizards are also terrible in transition offense 26, and they don't shoot a lot of threes, which is a miracle and a blessing because every team demolishes you beyond the arc Hence why you lose, hence why you lost to the Knicks and every other stupid team you lost to. The Wizards, also 22nd in offensive points per possession and 18th in offensive effective field goal percentage. No excuse for your defense stinking it up tonight, boys. Caruso, you didn't facilitate as much so you could focus on defense. Cool, show it. Stop following. You're following Mitchell Robinson and giving him an easy and one Stacey King was irate on the broadcast last night because of the inept playing that you saw out of this Bulls team. The rookie mistakes that were made not by rookies and stupid thing like why are you giving Mitchell Robinson an easy foul look? That's what Stacey said. I thought he made a great point. If you're going to hack him, hack him hard. He's shooting 50% from the line. And that comes to what Billy Donovan is or is not instilling into the mindset of this roster. So who needs to be held accountable? To a degree, it's both. But it starts with Billy Donovan. It always falls on the coach. I mean, you could tell Stacy King was just wanting to scream through his headset. Obviously, he has to act cordial. And shout out to him for doing, he was just as frustrated as every Bulls fan out there. And I know Adam Amin's a diehard fan too, but he's a professional as well. So uh, he does a great job hiding it. But the frustrations are so clear. And that's why it's hard to get your hopes up for this game. But there are plenty of advantages for Chicago. The market has moved their way. So if you do want to trust them, if you're not as bearish on this team as I am, and yes, pun intended, you're bullish on them. Then, yeah, maybe go bet money line on them. This is a game where they might just get your hopes up enough to then inevitably lose their next game, right? Oh, like what they did with the Cavs. They won on the road. They got a big playoff game against Cleveland. We did it. We won. Oh, but now we got the Knicks. Oh, no, no, no. We'll get on a nice little roll here because we got the Knicks or bad second-level back-to-back. And then you got Washington. It'll be easy. Nope. You lost to New York. But here's what's going to happen. They'll win tonight. Then they get the Clippers at home on Thursday. Maybe they win. They should. Maybe, maybe not. And then you'll get smoked by Miami, smoked by Milwaukee, smoked by Boston. Probably lose to Charlotte, and you'll lose at Minnesota. You shouldn't lose to Charlotte because it's at home. But that's a tough three-game stretch there, folks, all at home. You have four-game. I mean, the Clippers, the Heat, the Bucks, the Celtics. Good luck. They need to get this win now because they ain't getting any more anytime soon. At least not by the way they've been playing. Are they capable of getting it? You bet they are. Do I believe they could win those games? You bet I do. But would I put money down on it? No chance. And why would you? What have they shown you this second half of the season that would lead you to believe they could beat the Heat? They could beat the Bucs. They could beat the Celtics. Again, I'm being end-of-the-world type of guy right now for this Bulls team. they probably, yes, end up beating the Wizards tonight. Again, it's just so hard to actually... If they would have beat the Knicks last night, this line would be interesting. I think it would probably be 4-4.5 four, four instead of three and a half, four. And I would be looking for a good money line price perhaps on this Bulls squad if they got a somewhat impressive win against the Knicks. But they didn't. Changes things, changes mindsets, changes mentalities, changes just your body language and effort displayed on the court the immediate next night for this Bulls team. Now, I do want to talk about what some of these Bulls players have done in the past two games against the Wizards. We talked about Kuzma, Beal, and Gafford, who are some Bulls players that have stood out. When they have played Washington, well, Levine has been thriving against the Wizards. 25 points, or excuse me, 35 points in the first game, 27 in the second. Again, we cashed with him last night. Could be a good look tonight. I think his props at 24 and a half at some shops. Rivers does not have it posted yet. TBD, but I assume that's where it will be. DeRozan got 28 points when he hit that game winner, then took a backseat a little bit and got 15 points. Vooch had 22 in the first game and 16 in the second. And this next one cracks me the hell up. Kobe White, 20 points in the first matchup against the Wizards. 21 in the second. Oh, boy, the Wizard killer, Kobe White himself. Oh, it's a given he's going to go off this game, right? Yeah, uh, no chance. No chance. You know why he went off those first couple games? He had Mac McClung. In your lineup. You had Dodson. You had Bell in your lineup. Honestly wish we had those guys. <laughs> I instead of Matt Thomas and Troy Brown Jr., yeah, sure. Why not? They'd bring some spark to the lineup probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it was because the Bulls weren't healthy, that's why Kobe White went off. But at least he's consistent when he picks and chooses his spot. So as betters, we can only appreciate it if we get his prop offered, which seldom we do. But if you find it, you know the spots to take the overs. You know the spots to take the unders. This is probably an underspot despite his success against the Wizards team in the past because the Bulls, ding, 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 are pretty much fully healthy. They're not missing a guy that for some reason would get in the way of Kobe White having success offensively. But I digress. Sorry for the side rant. It was just comical that, of course, as I'm ranting about Kobe White as of late, this is a team that he has thrived against. But let me tell you about a prop. I know I was looking into these Bulls players. Again, if you get Levine at 24 and a, half, 23 and a half, I don't hate playing it over. Uh, it's always a little bit tough relying on him on the second leg of a back-to-back because of his injuries. I know he's been powering through it, but still. If it's like over 24 and a half, I probably would stay away. Ideally, it would be 23 in the hook again, but I'm thinking they give you 24 and a half. Uh, Let's go to the Wizards, though. Who's the guy that's standing out to me? Well, like I was kind of saying on Rush Hour last night, I was explaining why I was betting Alec Burks. And I go, well, when I'm handicapping Bulls games, I look for the weaknesses in the teams. And since I follow the Bulls very closely, naturally, I know their weakness and look for it every night. And that weakness is them defending the three. So which player or players thrive from three-point range on the opposing squad? And last night, it was Alec Burks. Evan Fournier said to stay away from Fournier because, well, we didn't trust him with that price and didn't want to lay that much, and lo and behold, went one of eight from deep. Thankfully, we stayed away, but our guy Alec Burks continues his hot streak and went over. Regardless, the point being is that's what I looked for in the Wizards. Contavious Caldwell Pope is the guy that stood out to me when handicapping this specific area now a couple of things yes there were some other guys that i considered but kcp is the guy i narrowed down Rui Hachimura, for example you could go over one and a half threes plus 145 very intriguing i don't hate that i don't hate it but it's a plus price because he doesn't go over it as often right contavious caldwell pope is three-point field goals made prop is one and a half looks great But they priced it appropriately, if I'm being honest. Minus 180 are the odds for him to get two or more threes. The under's plus 140. They're giving you the benefit of the doubt by making it one and a half, but they're making you pay for it. That is for sure. But they're, they have a right to. I mean, KCP's averaging two threes made per game on over five attempts. He's gone over one and a half three-point field goals made in 41 out of 71 games, hitting at a 58% clip. And versus the Bulls in the two games he has played them, he has gone over it in both. He went three of 10 the first game, two of three the next. of his shot attempts this season come from beyond the arc, and he's making almost 40% of them. As we know, the Bulls struggle defending the three. They rank 26. Opponents are connecting on 37% of their shots from deep. So I'm in a little conundrum here. I want to take this bet. I don't want to lay minus 180. And you could say, well, maybe wait, Danny. Maybe you'll get a two and a half out there if you look around. Yeah, you could be right. But I am always someone I personally, especially for this type of bet with someone who's not a main scorer, you know, like if it was 25 and a half and 26 and a half points with, I don't know, I'm just throwing a name like LeBron or Giannis. Like, no, you have you have faith that those guys are going to get the ball ample amount of times. They're touching it on every possession. And at the end of the game, those. So my point being is I have confidence with that. Like KCP isn't their go to guy per se. He doesn't have the ball in his hands every possession, so every three he makes matters, and every advantage in terms of the bets, in terms of the less amount of threes he has to make, matters. So no, I would rather do the one and a half laying more than two and a half and not laying as much. They probably wouldn't. They wouldn't give you plus money for two in the hook. At best, maybe even money. And if you want to do that, sure. But again, this is why we talk about bet to risk, not bet to win sometimes. I'm not saying you have to subscribe to that philosophy. I'm saying for situations like this, this could be one of them. You're not betting, for example, 180 to win 100, right? Because then obviously you have a lot more liability. What you would do is 100 to win about 55. So you're just betting 100 on the odds of minus 180. Something like that. You don't have to do that. I'm just saying that's a different way to subscribe to bets where you're laying so much if you're doing it consistently. Now, if it's a bet you really love and you're not always laying this much, then you do your own thing. But I'm saying that's not what I am intending to put across if I'm laying a high price like that. So I don't want you to think, oh, Danny's laying this much, you know, minus 20 to win 100. Maybe sometimes I'll do that. Maybe. For more so like a money line or something like that. But for a prop where, yes, it is still a volatile market, we've been doing pretty well, but it's still volatile, you know, knock on wood, be a little bit careful, all right? That's all I'm saying. So I don't know if I'm going to make it an an official play, a Danny's dime, but that's the prop that stood out to me the most. Aside from that, Daniel Gafford over 8.5 at minus 113 is intriguing. Again, remember, guys, he had got what, like, 14 and uh yeah 14 and 19 points Gafford has against the Bulls. Now that's before Chris taps Porzingis was on the team and Rui Hachimura was not playing in those first two games. So again different perspectives, different schemes from the Wizards offense, different looks. So a little bit more untrustworthy is Gafford, but if you're going off the trends of this matchup, that would be something to consider. But again, I may feel more comfortable looking at Levine, KCP. It's a steep price. Some books have it minus $2. So you also have to consider it in that perspective too. Yeah, you're laying a high price, but if you're getting 20 cents better than what some other books are offering and you really like the bet, not a bad idea to look at it. I think he does get a couple three-pointers. Folks, Like this Bulls team cannot defend beyond the arc. The Wizards are going to let it fly. They got nothing to lose right now. KCP loves to let it fly. He's gone over it. 41 out of 71 games. Bold times versus Chicago. Almost 50% of his shot attempts come from three, and he's making 40% of them. Consider KCP over one and a half three-point field goals made. We'll see what Levine is. If it's anything worth note, I'll discuss it on Rush Hour tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. All right, coming up next, we got breaking news in the NFL with a new rule that could be implemented revolving around overtime. And I want to share my thoughts on the Bears right now. They lost out on offensive guard Ryan Bates. How are we feeling about it? Where should we set our expectations? And what can we look forward to out of this Chicago Bears team? Coming up next, it is the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. No football. No problem, because Bet Rivers Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college, pro basketball, and much more. So don't miss out on Bet Rivers' many daily specials or try your hand at live player props or same game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast, with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at Bet Rivers. So get started with life after football with the Bet Rivers app. Well, would you look at this? I'm scrolling through Twitter, seeing the new rules that are being implemented, and somehow I missed Andy Dalton getting signed to the New Orleans Saints on a one-year deal worth up to $6 million, including $3 million guaranteed. Oh, baby, the Saints are back. Andy Dalton's going to change. He's going to take you over the hump. He's exactly what you need. Now, obviously, I am uh, being facetious, as every Bears fans would have similar reactions, but We'll see what happens with Jameis Winston in the squad. And I know uh, the quarterback options as of this point aren't very bountiful, I guess you could say, throughout the National Football League. But, hey, look, good for Andy Dalton. I know he's a great guy, very good guy in all seriousness. Um, You knew it wasn't going to work out in Chicago. There's always a ceiling with Andy Dalton. But we wish him the best of luck down there with the Saints. So Andy Dalton goes bye-bye. Bears kind of wondering what to do with Nick Foles, I know, and everybody's telling about if he's got trade value or they keep him. I mean, you got Simeon now, so you probably look to dish him off. So we'll see what ends up happening with Nick Foles. But that is the latest news in terms of Bears transactions, or at least fam- uh, former Bears transactions. And Ryan Poles, by the way, said, Brad Biggs tweeted, he said, Ryan Poles said, hopefully something pops up when I asked about the potential of trading Nick Foles. Nothing going on at this point, though. So there's the update on Nick Foles. All right, the update on the NFL changing their rules. So this is revolving around the overtime rules. And pulling up the ESPN article now, I know Schefter tweeted about it, but I just kind of want more of the exact, the exact stipulations around it. So the NFL owners have approved a modified proposal for overtime that will guarantee each team a possession, but only for postseason games. A vote took place Monday afternoon at the annual league meeting, says Kevin Seifert, ESPN staff writer. Now, of course, the current rule allows a team to win the opening possession in the overtime if they score a touchdown. That will continue during the regular season, but it will be different during the postseason. So that's a great rule, an easy one, and an obvious one. From a competitive and fairness standpoint, from a just what makes sense standpoint, and also just from your fans wanting it, a majority of them, let's be honest, want to see that. The two guys being the quarterback, say Allen and Mahomes, competing at the highest level with both an equal shot. Get a stop on defense. Yeah, okay, you try stopping Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill when you've played four quarters of football. Now, I get it. It's possible. I'm not saying that's a completely ignorant or dumb comment of course that's true and they're absolutely right but it's better this way let's be honest now keeping it like that in the regular season also makes sense because you don't want these guys going back and forth throughout the course of a 17 game regular season I mean again they're already beating each other up you don't want to risk an injury because this overtime is going so much further because it's back and forth for maybe a meaningless game at the end of the day it matters for the postseason Regular season, it's smart to keep it the way it is. Um, So, yeah, the Colts and the Eagles proposed it, I guess. Um, The Titans proposed a tweak that would require mandatory possession for each team unless a team that has a first possession scores a touchdown and converts a successful two-point attempt. Interesting. This is just what they proposed, remember. But yeah, some of the numbers, since the current requirement for an opening possession touchdown was instituted for the 2012 regular season, teams winning the coin toss have won 50% of the time, according to league data. The number has ticked up a bit to 54% since the league shorted overtime from a maximum of 15 to 10 minutes in 2017, but of course there has been a big jump in the postseason. Since the current format was implemented, 7 of 12 overtime games have been won on the opening possession. And 10 of those 12 were won by the team that won the coin toss. Obviously, in the postseason, it's different. It matters. It needed to change. And it looks like it's going to. So very good by the NFL. They're getting something right here by changing the postseason overtime format. If you're disagreeing with it, I don't get what your argument is. You don't want to see more football. You don't want to see the best of the best get an opportunity at a fair shot. Yeah, I get it. Your defense has to make a stop. Cool. So what? This is a way better format. They still have to get a stop, but now it's just not blam. It's over. Our season came down just because of that. Like, No, this absolutely makes sense, and if you're still disputing it, I don't know what's wrong. Like, this is the right way to go about it. It was the only way to go about it, because every single year, we are going to be pissed when something like this happens, which inevitably it will every single postseason. Keep it that way during the regular season, that's fine. But changing it during the postseason makes absolute sense. Good on the Eagles, good on the Colts for pushing it, and good on the owners for allegedly approving it now. Schechter just tweeted right now. Here's what the NFL's new OT rules trying to guard against over the past. Yeah, we just talked about this 10 and two. So, yeah, it makes absolute sense. So good job. All right. keeping it in the NFL. Let's talk a little bit about the Bears. I know a lot of Bears fans are disappointed because they could not snag Ryan Bates from the Bills. The Buffalo Bills matched the offer sheet for offensive guard Ryan Bates that the Bears had him on last week. Brandon Bean said Monday at the NFL's annual owners meeting that they were going to match it. So, uh, the Bills had until Tuesday to match the offer sheet. Bates signed with the Bears. Ryan Pohl says, I just found that out. It stinks, but that's part of the RFA process. And he said, so we'll adjust and we'll keep adding players. It's out of your control. It's just part of the deal where you put your best foot forward, and we did. We came strong, and that's given back to their team, and it's up to them whether they want to match it. It is what it is. We'll adjust like everything else. All right. You didn't get Bates, So what? He was a backup for the Bills, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying, well, if anything, the positive you could take out of this is that the Bears were able to identify a guy that apparently, arguably the best team in the NFL thought was very, very valuable and valuable enough with limited cap space they have to match his offer. Now, cool, what's that get you? A pat on the back? Yeah, I guess, so to speak. But again, maybe that says that. Polls knows what he's doing a little bit. Not that people were disputing that, but if you needed more confidence, there you go. They'll figure it out, guys. They'll figure it out. I'm not pushing the panic button on anything the Bears have or have not done as of this point. They didn't get, they didn't get a star named receiver. Cool, they saved a bunch of money not doing so. Now, if they go through this draft without addressing anything offensively, especially though the receiver position, then I will start to get closer to that panic button. But they won't do that. They can't be that ignorant. They can't be that oblivious, and they won't. All right? People are a little bit disappointed because they want success right away. And you know what? This can be correlated to the Bulls. And... Myself included, we could all take a page out of this in the sense that, hey, it's not going to come right away. But the point with the Bulls is I never had championship expectations for them for this season. I always said it and stayed true to it. The cap, the ceiling for this Bulls team was to reach the Eastern Conference Finals. That was always the highest of the mountain for this Bulls team this season. So That's where I said it or ending up from anywhere from a three to a six seed. Staying out of the playing game. They're right at the sixth seed. So realistically, the expectations have been pretty sound, barring any nonsense, which will probably happen in this last stretch of the season for the Bulls. But again, you knew they had the talent there, so you were kind of expecting better success, which you've seen, and then you saw it, but then it just disappeared. With the Bears, you don't necessarily have those pieces there right now. Right? You don't have star players to get you in a postseason run or even maybe the postseason. But you have to understand with a brand new, pretty much organization, it's going to be a process. I'm not expecting direct success, but there's things I want to see. I want to see this offense get better. The defense, I'm not holding to too high of expectations because one, it's not the most important thing in the NFL nowadays. And two, you realize they lost important parts. And with even with Ogunjobi, I mean, they had bad luck there. I want to see the offense adapt to what the offense should be in this day and age in the NFL. I want to see Justin Fields get protection. I want to see him have enough weapons who can make him look good. And I want to see him make the necessary developmental steps, the adjustments, the improvements... And for the world to see that he can be a legit quarterback. I still believe it 100%. And you should too. The guy is uber talented. And he did a decent amount. With pretty much nothing. And I mean nothing in terms of he had Swiss cheese offensive line in front of him. Receiver wise. Not bad. Robinson didn't do squat. But still not bad. It'll get better. But again. He had the incompetency of Matt Nagy and that offensive line and the play calling. It'll get better, and Justin Fields will get better, and the Bears, slowly but surely, will get better. It may not be pretty. It may not be the Bears that we've been used to when it was 2012 and 06. No, it's not going to be that. It'll be better than that eventually. Again, my expectations, like I said for the Bulls, my cap, I guess, rather, is what I'm trying to say is for the bears to end up like the eagles did last year. New coach, uncertain quarterback, uncertain team. They had the lowest expectations in the NFL. People came on my show and saying I'm taking them to get the shortest amount of wins. The lowest amount of wins. They made the playoffs, folks. I'm not saying the bears are going to do that. I'm saying that's their ceiling. To sneak into the postseason in a wild card spot with the expanded postseason, Lose in the first round, but have something to be happy about because of the big turnaround from last year to this year with the new coaching regime, with a much-improved Justin Fields who is on the path to being a successful, starting, dominant quarterback in this league. Someone you can build your franchise around. Something the Bears have not had in their entire existence. It's not a Super Bowl winning year. It's not even a win a playoff game type of year. It's get in the conversation of being in the hunt to the postseason. And if you get there, and even if you lose, I will call that a success. So again, don't be freaking out for the lack of things they're doing, the players are not getting. Let's wait to see what happens in the draft. There's still plenty of time. Trust the process, baby. It ain't going to be pretty right away but nothing worth doing and nothing that comes to the mountaintop ever is. It's always a process. There's always bumps along the way. You got to deal with adversity. You got to get chiseled. We've talked about this with other teams. The Bears will have to go through that same exact process. And it will work. And, yes, maybe I'm trying to manifest it and speak it into existence a little bit, but that's the kind of positive energy the Bears need right now because the Bulls ain't helping out with it. The Blackhawks sure as hell ain't. And, well, the Cubs, the expectations aren't too high in the north side. And the Sox, yes, the expectations are high, but they're still getting screwed with injuries, and I know a lot of fans just still don't trust them against top teams. Sounds familiar with an owner who has uh, hands in both the Sox and the Bulls. Maybe there's a pattern there. All right, sorry, can't correlate the two. Got to be a little bit nice. Good luck to whatever you're betting tonight, folks, especially if you're betting on the Bulls. Again, in all seriousness, it's okay to be pissed at the Bulls. It's okay to be frustrated. And I do think they win tonight. I know I kind of said that last night. But them losing, yes, it was surprising in the sense that it, it, it's surprising in the sense where you're like, I wow, I can't believe they actually did it. Like I knew they were capable of doing it, but I can't believe they actually did it. Okay. If they lose tonight, I don't even know what to say. I'm not supposed to do a city cast tomorrow. We usually do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I might have to do I might have to do an emergency one. I don't know. Am I even gonna waste my time watching this game? I might check the score and then watch instead. Is it worth devoting a few hours of my night to watching this team disappoint and disappoint? I don't know. We'll see. Let me know how you're betting it. Let me know if you're watching it at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Uh, I do hope you watch Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Tonight, we're going to be talking with Nick Whalen, Senior Editor at Rotowire, about the NBA slate. And then we will also talk a little bit of MLB. That is right. Baseball is around the corner. We'll talk with Scott Spreitzer. He's got some college basketball bets, probably some NBA, but he'll also touch on a little bit of baseball. So we're going all over the place, folks. And like I said, we did have a nice sweep last night. We had an added hockey play, so if you want more, for be sure to check out Rush Hour, V-S-I-N.com. I tweet out the link, at Danny Burke 5. So, yeah, you can get all the info there. But that's going to do it for another edition of the CityCast. In all seriousness, best of luck with your plays. Come on, Bulls. We love you. I got to be tough on you, but prove me wrong. Go get them tonight so we can be happy about something tomorrow. Take care, ladies and gentlemen.